Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andrea Gazetta! Yay! And we've got a great episode for you. Um, man, this one was really fun to prepare, and I, I think you guys had a blast. I had a very good time. Probably one of my favorites. Oh man, I love it so much. Uh, I'm excited for y'all to listen, so we're not going to spend too much time up top. Uh, obviously, we have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash podcast for just $5 a month. You get access to our bonus show, The Speculation Zone. Zone. That's pretty cool, actually. Um, I might sample that and make a new speculation <laughs> zone intro. Uh, Paige is currently deep in the thick of a series on... We're balls deep on Revelation and the Antichrist. And it is so funny. How many people have said balls deep in the Bible before? I'm <laughs> sure way more people than you I think. I think I said it a lot on the last Speculation Zone episode. I'm pretty sure a youth pastor has said it without fully understanding what it means. <laughs> Why are you guys laughing? I just want to get balls deep in the Lord. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm texting Jesus and like, you up? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) youth, um, we're all going to hell very quickly. Definitely. You you two have fun. (laughs) Uh, Before we get started, we do have another five star review. This one comes to us from Kate in Runs, and it says, I mean, it was Flavor Aid, not Kool Aid. That's accurate. That's, That's true. It's just harder to sing. Yeah. Don't drink the Flavor Aid. Fuck. Uh, just started listening to the podcast and I love it. This trio approaches Colts and their craziness with humor, empathy, and a misguided distrust of the East Coast. <laughs> I don't trust you in your pepperoni rolls. <laughs> we do make every villain either a bad New York accent <laughs> or a halfway convincing Southern one. Hey, baby! Oh, I love it. We even made Tony Kansas from Tony New York. Kansas. <laughs> I don't think we ever touched on that. Um, you know, yeah. the famous New York Kansians. Kansians? From the Kansas crime family. Right, of right, 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 right. Uh, mostly for selling tractors. I, I think you mean from the Kansas crime family, of course. Ooh. I'm just imagining a lot of like Tommy gun fighting, but they're only using corn stalks instead of <laughs> oh, guns. I thought they were using kernels as bullets. So yeah, that's shoots what out I mean. It's just like, it's just like a stalk of corn pop, pop. and then you just get popcorn in the... Actually, that sounds amazing. Damn. Can you sign me up, please? That's yeah. crazy that Orville Redenbacher was a blood. <laughs> <laughs> Red is in his name. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, without any further ado, welcome to the show. Hello. 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 Youth culture killed my dog. <laughs> pop, pop. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always, these These are are our opinions. opinions. 
Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andrea Cassetta! Yay! Yay! And it's Armando's week. Yes! Hello! Uh, it's good to be back. Good to be back in the thick of it. Just in the fucking... Back mm, with the thickness. Back in the thick of knowledge. Back in the thickness. Balls Down deep in the, knowledge. Yeah, yeah, balls yeah. deep in knowledge, if you will. That's <laughs> big brain thoughts only. Or ballage. Ballage. <laughs> That's where the. That just sounds like you have really big balls. <laughs> Tomes. Did you know that all of your memories of peeing is stored in the ballage? Okay. Um, it's, it's a it's a dick with a degree. When you went to ballage, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh. It's good to be back researching something that is so hard to pin down. Um, this group, <laughs> this group, I mean, if you thought the Illuminati was hard to figure out, this is ev- somehow even harder. Um, and we'll get into who we're covering in just a second. But I I did have to read. Okay, so I read two books, one entire <laughs> document, and several FBI, like, fucking court documents transcriptions letters and memos pages of this stuff and then to get the full story story i had to read thousands of archived myspace and facebook posts oh my god were they like real like regular facebook posts or like the vague booking ones where somebody is like clearly talking about something specific without naming an actual person <laughs> yeah, they're, <laughs> where they're like i'm not trying to name names or anything but some people think it's okay to like message somebody's boyfriend and send them pictures of one nipple and then just <laughs> <laughs> and like, there's two hairs sticking right out of it <laughs> like we don't know whose hairy salami nipple this is <laughs> Or the worst ones that are just like, it's just so hard these days. No other information. Uh, You know what? A lot of that, actually. Um, Jesus. So before we get into it, I do have uh, a little bit of an introduction for you. Ooh, I love a steamy intro. I like salami nipples. Let's get into it. (laughs) Salami nipples have long since... No, I'm kidding. (laughs) That'd be terrible. Chicago has long been home to some of America's most infamous criminals. Mobsters, mafias, and made men paint a long and bloody history within the city's limits. But it's also the home, some might even claim it as the Mecca, for the largest Hispanic and Latino gang in the world. A gang with over 70,000 confirmed members. Ties to El Chapo's Sinaloa cartel and a reputation as one of the most deadly criminal organizations in America. But the story runs so much deeper than that. They're also regarded as the best structured street gang in the country. Members actually adhere to a religion built around the gang. And within this street religion, gang members are turned into demigods who are worshipped by the tribe. There's a lot to unpack here, and I'm glad we waited to do so. Today, we're covering the Latin Kings. Yay! I'm excited. I'm so excited. That's your Latin Kings version of. It could also be. I did a lot of a lot of listening 
to Latin Kings hip hop yes. to try what? and find. Uh, I've been listening. So like there's, reggaeton or? So no, because okay. it takes place in Chicago, it's a lot of drill, like uh, like Chief Keef style okay. hip hop. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that is serious hip hop where they talk about serious topics like murder, gangs, and drug dealing. And the sample is... <laughs> you ever hear somebody go, gang, bang, I'll die for my click. I'm just imagining a full mariachi band in the studio with a guy rapping over it. Dude, I want that. I want that. That would have been so much cooler. Your next album. Yes. Yeah, I'm already working on it right now. Um, I'm hanging out at Mexican restaurants paying the extra $15. I cannot wait to hear this played on a bus through a Bluetooth speaker. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, before we hop into uh, the episode, I do have a couple of sources. First of all is a document called History of Street Gangs by the National Gang Center. Um, I guess this is a a government organization because for me it just sounded like where all the gangs hang out. And do like the YMCA, like the yeah. community center, just, but just the YMC, like for gangs. The YMC gang. They, I feel like they don't go there as much as they just drive by. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's a solid bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next up, we have an article on gangs from the uh, Encyclopedia of Chicago by Andrew Diamond. Uh, then we have the book The Gang, a study of 1,313 gangs in Chicago by Frederick Thrasher. Now, that number sounds intense. There are actually more gangs than 1,313. The story goes that uh, Frederick... I was just surprised that his name was so kick-ass. Frederick Thrasher? Yeah. Yeah, he sounds like the front man for a punk band. <laughs> hey, what's up? I'm Frederick Thrasher, and we're the 1313 gangs of Chicago! Yeah, the story goes that while Frederick Thrasher was writing the book, he asked one of his research assistants to find out how many gangs were in Chicago. The research assistant tried to go out and ask people for information, immediately found why that was a bad idea, came back and just made up a number and told him 1313 as a prank because it was the address for a brothel down the street. So So he just made shit up and the guy was like, let's write a book. Yeah. And so that actually made it into the book. But the book itself is an amazing, I mean, absolutely amazing look as to why gangs started in Chicago. If you want to know about uh, gang life or any of the stuff that we're going to kind of touch upon a little bit here, that book, 100%, definitely check it out. And then fourth and finally, we have a, a gangland documentary about the Latin King. That's a scholarly uh, <laughs> document. I think you'll probably remember from our episodes on the Bloods and the Crips that gangland doesn't always get things right. Yeah. Gangland takes a lot of uh, liberty with the things that they do. I also love that every time there's a gangland episode, they have uh, members of the gang come in. They, they give that interview, like talking head style interview. Yeah. Um, but they don't want their identity to be uh, given out. But instead of doing what most shows do, where they just have a black silhouette of a person, 
they buy the most ridiculous wigs and fake facial hair and just put them on. So there's a dude wearing essentially a clown afro that was spray painted black and the most offensive Mexican mustache. And he's just like, yeah, so like the Latin kings are the most murderous people. And you're like, shut up, dude. You look like my uncle playing Ronald McDonald right now. (laughs) Shut up. But okay. But if they still show someone's face, can't you still see like their identifying tattoos and things? Like, um, I think I have. <laughs> my theory is that what they're doing is getting interviews and then hiring actors to portray people saying the quotes that they got. That's what I think happens. Oh, so the real guy looks like an evil birthday clown. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they're trying to make the actor look like what they look like. Is Pennywise a Latin king? A fool. The colors don't match up, but they are aligned with the blood. So, <laughs> And he loves blood. <laughs> uh, so before we jump into the subject of today's episode, I'd like to take you all through a brief history of Chicago and the birth of American street gangs. Uh, I think understanding the city's background will help you to understand the purpose behind the Latin Kings. Old Chicago. Old Chicago. And I know this sounds like a bit, but this is where we're genuinely starting. The first non-native settler in Chicago uh, was, or in what would become Chicago, was a man named Jean-Baptiste Point du Sabal, a free black man who built his farm at the mouth of the Chicago River in the 1780s. Awesome. 200 years later, in 1980, Jean would be credited as the founder of Chicago. Uh, it's, that took a long time. Like, longer than it should have. Yeah, it definitely did. As um, always. And we'll kind of see why Chicago was doing some pretty liberal shit. And I don't mean that as an insult. I just mean it comes up later with Chicago's like, anything to make it better. Okay, very sorry. All right. We're so sorry that we basically made a tub of dough and then put pizza toppings in it with sauce on top. We apologize. Chicago will never apologize for its pizza. And they shouldn't. It's delicious. It's It's amazing. It's so good. So Jean settles in the area around 1780. Over the next 50 or so years, the area would be used on and off as a military outpost during the several wars that American colonists started with the Native Americans living on the surrounding land. Whoops. But in 1830... Yankee entrepreneurs realized that the military base would make an even better transportation hub because of how easily accessible the land was. And this is something that I had to talk to Andrea about rather than reading a couple dumbass nerd books about it. You were telling me that Chicago is, geographically speaking, like the perfect place to put a transportation hub. So Chicago is at the very lower tip of Lake Michigan. Lake Michigan is kind of looks like a flaccid penis a little bit but <laughs> so it's at the very tip of the flaccid penis uh-huh. uh and uh it's perfect because there's also the chicago river that runs from lake michigan down to the mississippi so you have access through the lake system you have access to any other city that's on lake michigan as well as i want to say it connects to some of the other like all the great lakes are kind of connected Mm -hmm. so you can get to a lot of different places by going across the great lakes and then down the mississippi you can even get to the ocean that way so it's like so it's a really good place for commerce to bring stuff all of the land around the midwest can kind of bring goods and services to chicago to transport them out so 
Hmm. Very yeah. interesting. It works really good. I also, uh, I like how you described part of America as looking like a flaccid penis. And it wasn't Florida. Yeah. And then I thought about it and I could, I realized a lot of America could be described as looking like a flaccid penis. I do like that you said flaccid penis and I immediately knew which lake that was. I was like, ah, <laughs> the extra penis-y lake. Great. Got it. Yeah. That's, it's Lake uh, Pee Pee Softy. It's the cousin lake of Titicaca. It's lake this never usually happens. <laughs> yes. That sign says we're five miles away from lake. Just give me a fucking minute. Hold on. I've had a lot to drink tonight. <laughs> right next to lake lotion and tissues. <laughs> Uh, on August 12th, 1833. Oh, it's the day after my birthday. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. It's Same okay. year. You're a hundred and something <laughs> years old. <laughs> is that why you guys me. have so many space heaters? <laughs> yes. Thank you. It is weird. Anyway, sorry. On August 12th, uh, 1833, the town of Chicago was incorporated with a population of about 350. Right away, the town went about planning the railway systems, building canals, and setting up stockyards all across the town. The abundance of jobs attracted several immigrants from England, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, and a hell of a lot of Irish Catholics. By 1840, just seven years after its incorporation, Chicago's population had skyrocketed to over 4,000 people. Unfortunately, this presented its own problems. Primarily, when uh, people immigrate, they tend to want to stick together with their own people. So, from the jump, Chicago's population segregated into sections instead of mixing together, which is something that's still pretty prevalent today. Yeah, Chicago's neighborhoods... So, I live really close to both... Lived really close to both Chicago, and I lived in Milwaukee for a time. They're two of the most segregated cities, and part of that is just because... Like every neighborhood has its own cultural center, its own people continue to speak their own language, right? All that stuff. Like LA has that, New York has that too, a little bit, but Chicago and Milwaukee both have it a lot as well, right? Right. It reminds me a little bit of San Francisco in that respect, where yeah, we have a very defined Chinatown and a very defined Italian neighborhood, yeah, and you kind of go with your people and. The longer a city has been around, the more that there's some intermixing, but there's still very much communities there that are really limited to those areas. Secondly, the other problem was that everyone's focus was on turning the town into a transportation hub. If you were there, it meant you were working on making Chicago what it is today, either by working on the railroads, crafting the canals, or making delicious hot dogs that give you heartburn 100% of the time. They're so delicious. They're so good. They're so good, <laughs> but I know... poppy seed bun. I get through one of them and I'm like, mm, this is gonna hurt later. Mm, nom, 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 it's nom. very German. Mm -hmm. There's all the... Every relish. God all the relishes and mustards. They have two different types of pickles on it and then pickled chilies. This is completely unrelated. My husband is going to Germany in two weeks mm. for work. It's a long story. Uh, but I'm just waiting to hear what happens because he's never been out of the country but does enjoy sausages. I'm Ooh. like, I feel like you're going to love it but speak Spanish to everybody. I mean, I told this to... I don't know if I said this on the podcast already, but I talked to Andrea's mom who is German yeah, 100%. 100% German. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about, you know, her her family, her culture. And then I was talking about my Mexican family and my culture. And I realized that Germans and Mexicans are hella the same people. They love beer, pork, and music with accordions in it. 
<laughs> I'm down. They're that the great. same people. Anyway. Not true. Germans do not like hugs as much as Mexican people do. <laughs> that is very true. Germans are fair. all about their personal space and taking everything fucking literally. Yeah, there is no personal space in a Mexican family. <laughs> no. <laughs> or space. Um, a lot of space heaters, though. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, but this tunnel vision approach to building a town meant that almost all public services were the responsibility of the public itself. And both of these problems came together to give birth to Chicago's and possibly America's first street gangs. But probably not in the way that you might think. It wasn't the mafia. It wasn't the mob. It wasn't even bootleggers. Apparently, the first street gangs were various vicious groups of volunteer firefighters. <laughs> That's wild. Um, I will say that uh, that gang members and firefighters have similar decor, which is lots of pants going on, but only a tank top up top. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> so these groups of young working class men would band together and give themselves names like Red Squad or The Fire Kings. And then patrol their communities, which they refer to as running with the machine. Because back in the day, you literally, uh, obviously they're not cars. This is pre-Civil War. So there's just a wagon and a horse and then a bunch of machinery that they use to take water up from under the ground and spray it. And so you literally would park the horse as close to the fire as you could and then pick up all the machinery and literally run with it. So that's back when they still had Dalmatians, baby. Yeah, they still. Yeah, they had a lot of weird ass shit. Do you know why they have Dalmatians? Did I already talk about it? Because they're podcast? dumb enough to run into fires. No, because <laughs> a lot of Dalmatians are deaf, so they can't hear the ringing of the oh. bell and the horses would be so spooked by all the sounds. They would raise the fire horses with a Dalmatian to like ease it. And since the dog wouldn't react, it would make the horse more calm. Oh, so that's like when when it when you're watching a kid and it falls down and then it looks at you and you're like don't don't make a don't don't look like <laughs> yeah. if you don't look scared they don't look scared exactly exactly yeah. oh, interesting Fun I did fact. not know that that's why like you see a lot of like firefighters with their Dalmatian like that's yeah. why they're the firefighter dogs I thought it's because you couldn't tell if they got their hair singed it's just like <laughs> well Spotty got another spot so it's actually becomes because they come in litters of a hundred so <laughs> <laughs> they're easily replaced perfect for coats. <laughs> At first, this situation kind of seemed like it solved both problems that these immigrant communities had. All of the volunteers came from your own section, which meant that they were ethnically the same as you, and it made the communities more self-sufficient when it came to problem solving, especially in these emergency situations. Unfortunately, in addition to fighting fires, these ragtag departments also really loved to fight each other. <laughs> It started out as playful competition, like seeing who could run drills the fastest or who could carry the machinery the farthest or whose hose could spray the highest. Ooh. Uh, you know we got the best hose in this neighborhood. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Open your legs, sweetheart. Wait, what? <laughs> I'm going to get you wet. <laughs> 
Eventually, these friendly competitions turned into heated rivalries that led to countless full-on brawls in the street between different departments of volunteer firefighters. Is this while a house is burning where they're like, I'm going to put it out. No, I'm going to put it out. And then they're just fighting and the house burns to the ground. Sometimes. <laughs> Are you? F- I'm not even fucking I should, kidding. I shouldn't oh laugh God. about that, but at the same time, that's hilarious. Yeah. Hey, this is our turf. Aren't we fighting for the same <laughs> goal? I will kill you. I will kill you before what? I let you get this house wet. What? <laughs> and as you can imagine, most people would be horrified to find out that their fire department was a bunch of drunk 20-somethings that just loved to duke it out. But not the people of Chicago. They <laughs> fucking loved it, dude. And I, I mean, imagine how much more interesting that show Chicago Fire would be if every oh episode. Oh, my God. I would watch a con if it was yeah. like frats putting fires out. Yeah, it's you... just a bunch of dudes and like, hold on, I got to go fuck up the polis. Hey, you firefight motherfuckers. And then they just fight. I guarantee you that as soon as people heard that bell, the popcorn carts, the hot dog carts. <laughs> yeah. like everyone rolled up because they're like, there's a fire to watch. There's a show. There's probably going to be a brawl. Oh, like, yeah. Take bets. Let's do this. That's People- literally, that's like when I lived in the sorority house and someone would yell that there was streaking and we would make popcorn and watch the frat streak. That's hilarious. Yeah. A lot of dong wobbling. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> Dongy wobbles. Yeah. Dongy wobbles sounds like a Dalmatian that works for a fire department. <laughs> Um, people held block-wide events for their fire departments. They cheered them on during their fights and even wrote dime novels about them and their exploits. In fairness, these are 20-year-old kids. Yeah. You know, because they're yoked. They have nothing to do. They're working out, waiting for fires to happen. I would of watch this. Of course, they're getting in oh, fights. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before before the Cubs, before the White Sox, before Dot Bears, there was firefighters fighting in the street. <laughs> I, I honestly bring it back. I want it. Bring it back. Make it nude. Put it on uh, like X hamster or whatever. And I am watching. Dude, this is even- our mud wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Your house is on fire and you're just like, what's taking so long? And somebody's like, the firefighters are fighting. And you're like, oh, shit, really? Oh, oh, okay. oh shit. My vibrator was in the house. Oh, look. they brought <laughs> oh, It's no. burning to the ground. They brought Dongy Wobbly with them. <laughs> <laughs> but. You know what else is coming down? These drawers, baby. <laughs> I'll tell you which hose can squirt the farthest. <laughs> Me. Me the hoe. <laughs> Paige, get back on your chair. It's flying away. <laughs> But all wild ass shit must come to an end eventually. Oh no. In 1858, firefighting was professionalized and a majority of Chicago's volunteer firefighters were relieved of their duty. Panties were flown at half mast that day. <laughs> <laughs> I like that that could happen. So you just have people walking around with panties to their knees. <laughs> 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 And while that was the end of our fiery fire boys, it is pretty telling of what would come later. The public saw these early street gangs as protectors, both from fire, obviously, but also from the other groups of immigrants. A lot of the competition and fighting were the result of widespread racial tension in all of these tightly packed, segregated areas. So when I say that there was tension between the firefighters, it was like the Polish squad versus the German squad versus the 
Norwegian squad, which are just way overpowered. Just oh, because that's what you gotta remember. There's a bunch of Norwegians, Swedes, and Dutch, so they're just fucking like. Here, here what's six up? and a half feet here, tall. Yeah, a bunch of Alexander Skarsgårds shirtless, <laughs> yeah. fighting oh, no. fire. Bring it, bring Just it. Fighting a bunch of <laughs> fucking chubby German people. Leave it to the Polish team to try and fight fire with fire. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> By the 1880s, a thriving gang scene had developed all around Chicago, primarily made up of several large Irish gangs. They raided peddlers, they robbed men on their way home from work, and especially the Irish gangs loved to terrorize the new influx of Italian and Polish immigrants. Well, come on now. Fuck you guys. (laughs) Eventually, these newcomers got tired of being picked on and banded together to create their own gangs in order to fight them off. But they didn't think of themselves as gangs. They only wanted to defend themselves from getting picked on. And here is where we see the start of Chicago's pattern when it comes to gangs. It goes like this. A group of immigrants from a new area move into the city and immediately find themselves at the bottom of the pecking order. Eventually, they get tired of being picked on and rise up against their bullies. But once they get power, there's no fucking way in hell they're going to want to give power back. And when a new group of immigrants enters the scene, the cycle repeats. It's like Lindsay Lohan and Mean Girls. Yes. Gangs are like Lindsay Lohan from the movie Mean Girls. I need no further clarification. I understand completely. Especially because on Wednesdays, they wear certain colors. And on on every every days. So in the 1880s, the Italians and the Polish show up in Chicago and the Irish gangs kick the fucking shit out of them. That makes sense. But they banded together, fought back, and made their own way up the ladder. And by the early 1900s, Italian and Polish gangs dominated the city. Ay. Oh, you're making the... I'm, I'm quietly celebrating with Italian hands. In, uh, in 1916, the Great Migration started, and wave after wave of southern black families left the south in order to find jobs somewhere a little less racist. Although those that settle in Chicago just found themselves at the beginning of our cycle. It wasn't less racist. It was just a different kind of racism. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Polish, Italian, and Irish gangs picked on the black community relentlessly. And this forced young working class black men to band together so that they could protect their neighborhoods. And by this point, the segregated sections of Chicago weren't just a suggestion. They were an unwritten law. Working with local Democratic politicians, Irish and Polish gangs set up, quote-unquote, color lines and severely beat anyone who dared to cross them. Chicago was figuratively ready to explode. So, uh, I'm not sure if this was actually written into law yet at this time. This might have been something that didn't happen until, like, the 40s or 50s. But for a long time, in a lot of cities... Even northern cities were like a lot of black people were trying to escape these Jim Crow laws, which were very harsh segregation measures. Yeah. And there was some still in Illinois, like black people could go to university, but they couldn't sleep or eat in the same room as white people. Right. And so there are a lot of laws on the books at this time that black people can only live in certain areas. We actually we encountered this a little bit with Father Divine where black people literally couldn't live in certain parts of the city, and that's part of why he builds up his hotel, quote-unquote, 
where they can then stay and live there. Starting in the 1940s, Chicago saw another mass migration, this time of Hispanic and Latino immigrants from Mexico, Puerto Rico, and Cuba. And the cycle repeated again. Several groups, such as the Young Lords and the Noble Knights, popped up in their communities to help those who were being beaten, burgled, and bullied by the various Italian and Greek gangs in the area. Because... Those hairy, hairy gang members. (laughs) Are those Wookiees? No! (laughs) (laughs) We're a swarthy bunch. Um, I have so much lip hair. (laughs) It's called a mustache. Mad swarth. You can't see it. Mad swarth. That's a good rapper name, honestly. (laughs) Little swarth. Little swarth. Little swarth Swarth Vader. What? Swarth Vader. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. (laughs) Uh, The problem was that most of these groups were spread too thin. So if you weren't where the bulk of their members were, it was pretty much useless to you. And that's exactly the situation a young Puerto Rican boy named Ramon Santos found himself in. Ramon was the member of the Young Lords. However, the closest clubhouse for the group was several blocks away from his home. So in 1954, Ramon decided to gang up with five of his closest friends to start their own club, which they called the Imperials. They adopted nicknames like Eddie Flacco, Tiger Eddie, and Fast Eddie. There, okay, there's a lot other people that aren't named Eddie. I just thought that those three were the funniest because there was three different Eddies. Oh, okay. I, I was like, I was like, I've heard of a Fast Eddie before. <laughs> At first, when you were naming them, I was like, wait, does Eddie have to be part of the name? Is and that no. a bit? Did you mean Edie Falco? No. <laughs> so Eddie Flacco is Skinny Eddie because Flacco is skinny. Tiger Eddie is I don't. I have no idea. He's earned his stripes. And then Ramon Santos's stepbrother was just nicknamed Fast Eddie, which I like because he's obviously the best of the Eddie. I also like that they're all different types of Eddie, like like that's the Latin King's version of Barbie. Like I'm saving up for the Malibu Dream Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> My Eddie's an astronaut. <laughs> Ramon Santos became known as King Papo Eddie. No, I'm kidding. That'd be. <laughs> and great. none of them have private parts. <laughs> <laughs> they also adopted the crown as their symbol, although at this point in time it was less symbolic and more because it looked really fucking cool. And while their origins sound awfully familiar, both from this episode and from our series on the Crips and the Bloods, King Papo and his various Eddies ran the Imperials differently than most street gangs we've seen thus far. Their main focus wasn't to cause mayhem, they didn't want to team up with any local politicians, and they really didn't want to make the press. At least at the beginning, their only goal was to protect the Hispanic and Latino community from outsiders, and this was really important when it came to recruiting more members. At this point, Chicago was terrified. Organized crime like the mob and the mafia had been all about shady deals and rackets, but these young gangs were brazen, violent, and very hungry for attention. Carjackings, robberies, and even one of the first documented drive-by shootings in history made the whole city of Chicago deathly afraid of being even a little bit associated with gangs. Meanwhile, the Imperials had a much less hectic mission statement. They fought, and this is A direct quote from what they stated, the Imperials fought for their right to exist in their community. It's a pretty fucking noble cause if there ever was one. The branding is kind of beautiful. 
To their neighbors, they might as well have been the Red Squad or the Fire Kings because they were just embraced completely. People saw them as their protectors, as their saviors. And in 1959, five years after the gang's inception, King Papo's family moved to the West Humboldt Park area of Chicago. Instead of bringing the Imperials with him, King Papo decided to just recruit more members and start a new chapter in Humboldt Park. This new chapter of protective Puerto Ricans attracted the attention of a nearby gang of middle school-aged Mexicans who called themselves the Mar Kings, after the name of the street the kids lived on, Marshall Boulevard. Again, these are kids in 7th and 8th grade. So. Yeah, th- I think that's what's always so hard to remember is that most gang members start being part of a gang as children and it they usually start because they're getting beat up or bad stuff is happening. Oh, yeah. This is entirely just because kids were getting beat up. And especially it's, as we learned from the Crips and the Bloods episode, a lot of times you join a gang when you're young and you either grow out of it, you go to jail, or you kind of die. That's just, I mean, it's it sounds like I'm being shitty, but it's it's a reality of gang life. It's kind of a horrible thing to be included in. So the Marking's origins were a lot like the Imperials, except their main rival was one of Chicago's oldest gangs, a group of French immigrants who called themselves the Almighty Gaylords. I feel like this is one of those lost in translation moments. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I feel like in the 30s when it was made, it was like, oh yeah, that's a cool ass name. And then now it would, and this gang still exists, by the way. The Almighty Gaylords are still around. They tried rebranding themselves to the Chicago Gaylords. Didn't (laughs) really help. That's not the part that people are making fun of you about. I mean, yeah. it sounds like a ska band. <laughs> like, I, I feel like I saw the oh OC Supertones and the Mighty Mighty Gaylord. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so perfect. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to, okay, I'd like to read some of the old defunct gangs of Chicago names to you because some of them are pretty fucking hilarious. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So we'll have to make sure to do that at some point. And even though their average member, this being the Markings, their average member were several grades younger than the Almighty Gaylords, uh, they still managed to completely whoop the fuck out of their dumb French asses. (laughs) So there's like high school, high school aged French dudes that are just getting beat up by seventh grade Mexicans. I mean, the problem is that their their gang colors were white, so they were always (laughs) surrendering. (laughs) I'm just picturing a child punching a French guy like, why do you have so many extra letters in every word? Uh, this is not hate speech against the French Facebook, oh, so take it easy. Yeah, I was say, <laughs> Facebook started pulling down fuck the French posts in our book. Nah, that's why you got to get in a tattooed group. on you. <laughs> that's going to be my first neck tattoo. Oh, man. Um, when the leader of the Markings heard that the Imperials had made their way over to his turf, he didn't act out. Instead, he met with King Papo and proposed a merger. The way that they saw it, if the citizens of Chicago couldn't tell the difference between a Puerto Rican and a Mexican, then they might as well team up. In the winter of 1964, King Papo met with the leader of the Mar Kings at the Jungle Gym in Humboldt Park, and the two made the deal official. Um, I love that this is 
is happening at a jungle gym and yeah. it just reminds us that they're children yeah well because first they made the deal and then king papo pushed him on the swing for about five minutes <laughs> higher higher this is a trust fall. So they adopted the five-point crown as their symbol, picked out black and gold as their colors, and gave themselves the name the Latin Kings. Also, just to note this because it will come up later, this is why the majority of Latin Kings in northern Chicago are Puerto Rican and the majority from southern Chicago are Mexican. It's a weird distinction, but I promise it'll make more sense in a little bit. Now, as I already mentioned, the Latin Kings were a lot different from a majority of Chicago street gangs, even from the jump. But heading into the late 1960s, they stuck out even more. By this point, all of the founding members were full-grown adults, some even in their early 30s. This meant that the gang wasn't run by a bunch of kids. It was run by grown-ass men who knew how to get around, organize, and grow strategically, which, as we talked about earlier, is kind of rare when it comes to street gangs you don't really see a lot of that secondly because the latin kings weren't specifically looking for bloodshed at least not initially that didn't mean that they didn't know how to fight most of the founding members of the group had grown up in puerto rico and it's mentioned in a few documents that they had strong ties to the freedom fighters back home in case you didn't know, Puerto Rico was under Spanish rule from 1493 until 1897 when the island was officially granted sovereignty from Spain. Unfortunately, just a few months later in 1898, Spain promised the island to the U.S. in the Treaty of Paris. So they granted Puerto Rico their independence and then used them as a bargaining chip after they lost the Spanish-American War. And since then, America has claimed ownership over the island, despite the fact that we don't have any claim to it whatsoever. And not we at also all. don't let them vote. It's like no. it's like a thing where they're like a 51st state, but then they don't get any of the protections or benefits of being a state. Yeah, and we completely <laughs> take advantage of them. Like every time Puerto Rico has been in distress from like a tragedy this past like couple years, they've had a lot of weather events and mm -hmm. seismic events that have really devastated the island and every single time our president is like and eh, not our problem i'm like it is your problem that's your it territory is. that is our territory yeah you can't have you? it both ways it's like it's like a dude who's dating a girl and wants all of her attention but then is like i don't want to go to your like stupid work thing or yeah it's I, I want you to listen to my problems but you're not officially my girlfriend fuck you yeah exactly Come over to my house. I'm having weather problems. You're my boyfriend, bitch. <laughs> As Noam Chomsky once put it, Puerto Rico was turned into a plantation for the United States. By 1930, over 40% of all land suitable for farming in Puerto Rico had been converted into sugar plantations owned by the Domino Sugar Corporation and several U.S. banking interests. The United States banking interests also owned the postal system, the coastal railroad, and all of the seaports, which meant that if you lived in Puerto Rico, you couldn't do anything except for work at their plantations. And sugarcane is a devastating crop. Like, in order yeah. to harvest it, you basically have to burn it down. Yeah. When slavery was still a thing in America, and in the Americas, I should say, most of the slaves that had to work on sugar plantations died before they turned 30. Because yeah. it's such a brutal work environment. And, yeah. and it hurts the environment, too. Yeah. Like it's, you, you have to cycle the crops differently. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. So pretty obviously, the people of Puerto Rico were 
very fucking upset about the whole arrangement and over the years several groups popped up on the island again calling for sovereignty and as we've seen so far puerto ricans are down to fuck up any bully that's trying to muscle them into a bad deal one story that i can think of that really exemplifies the spirit and skills of the puerto rican revolutionaries is the shootout of the salon boricua on halloween night 1950 police officers and national guardsmen believed that a group of rebels were hiding inside of the barbershop. Salon Bariqua was the barbershop most preferred by the leader of the Puerto Rican Nationalist Party, but unfortunately for the police and National Guard, their intel was wrong, and only one person was inside of the barbershop, a man named Videl Santiago Diaz, the PRN leader's personal barber. <laughs> So he's not part of the group. He's just the barber. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> the police and the National Guard opened fire on the building and Videl fired back. For over three hours, Videl Santiago Diaz fought off over 40 men in a gunfight <laughs> by himself. Damn. And he made sure as soon as the firing started to turn on his radio and the whole shootout was broadcast live across the island so everyone could hear what the police and Whoa. the Americans were doing. That's smart as fuck, dude. That is smart. Videl was shot five times once in the head and still survived. Damn. What? He was he was hospitalized and arrested and became a legend overnight. Two years later, he was pardoned and freed. <laughs> That's dope as fuck, that dude. That is dope as hell. People like Videl Santiago Diaz raised and taught the OG Latin kings everything that they knew. And this spirit and training made them goddamn near unstoppable. Being older, able to organize, and having some pretty kick-ass training all helped the Latin Kings make national headlines for the first time in 1966. To say race relations in 1966 Chicago were tense is a hell of an understatement. Yeah, that's uh, that's Martin Luther King was actually starting to march in the North in the 1960s to... Uh, to promote equal housing for yeah. black people. Yeah. So yeah, black. It was because of the same thing we were talking about earlier: the segregation of living situations. Mm -hmm. Martin Luther King was like, "Hey, like we have money. We want to buy homes in better neighborhoods and less poor neighborhoods. We want to own our homes." And white people were just like, "Nah." Oh yeah, that's the whole reason that the Latin Kings spread was because they needed land to build more white communities so they kicked the Puerto Rican families out and forced them to go where white people were moving away from. Well, that's something that historically happened in a lot of cities is when mm -hmm. when we see freeway systems start to be built, they instead of disenfranchising white people, they would disenfranchise black and brown people essentially take their land, take the homes from people that owned them, and then not allow those people to buy homes in good neighborhoods. So those people would have to start renting. And that's part of how we have this cycle of black and brown people not having ownership of their own spaces because of these horribly racist laws. Right. In 1966, the city was trying its hardest to progress and become more inclusive. One of the ways they tried to do so was when Mayor Richard J. Daley declared that the first week of June was to become Puerto Rican week. 
and the seven-day celebration would culminate with a parade in downtown Chicago on June 11. On the night of the parade, a few beat cops accused a young Puerto Rican man of being armed and involved in a street fight. An altercation began, and a white police officer shot the man in his leg. Oh my God. A large crowd gathered and immediately became involved. More police were called in along with canine units, and when a police officer allowed a canine to bite another Puerto Rican man in the leg, all hell broke loose. The crowd of over 4,000 Puerto Ricans used rocks, bottles, and cans to attack the police officers. They overturned some squad cars and set others on fire. More police were called in, but the Division Street riots continued for over three whole days. Damn! Where are your firefighters at now, baby? <laughs> Sick of watching their people being beaten and arrested, the Latin kings decided to step in. King Papo formed an alliance with several other large Hispanic and Latino gangs, including the Young Lords and the Noble Knights. A sea of young men rocking black and gold and flashing the Latin King's gang sign led rioters into white neighborhoods where they looted businesses and burned property. Essentially, their logic being, why would we destroy our own community? Let's destroy the community of the other. Of the oppressors. Mm -hmm. By the end of the riots, 16 people had been injured, 49 were arrested, and 50 buildings had been critically damaged to the point of no longer being usable. Wow. And now, at least in the city of Chicago, everyone knew who the Latin Kings were. Heading into the 1970s, the Latin Kings ran into the same problem that I did towards the end of last year. They got too big. <laughs> <laughs> but unlike me at the end of the last year, King Papo had a plan for managing his immense growth. <laughs> Is it a bigger belt? Is yours just sweaters? Yeah, mine, <laughs> mine is just sweaters and long jackets. Um, King Papo would act as the group's leader and reside in northern Chicago, while another member, Raul Baby King Gonzalez, would handle the day-to-day -day operations on the south side of the city. Unfortunately, the two had wildly different management styles. King Papo in the North was heavily political and began to set up neighborhood renewal projects such as graffiti cleanup programs. The goal was to have the Latin Kings work to not only protect their neighborhoods, but to actually improve them. He was also known to set up safe houses for visiting Puerto Rican freedom fighters, including the FALN, a paramilitary group that advocated for the independence of Puerto Rico. Although they're probably most famous for committing over 130 bomb attacks, including the 1975 bombing in New York that killed four people. Holy shit. Damn. The Latin kings in the South, led by Raul Baby King Gonzalez, were more about doing some hood shit. Baby King's logic was that the group was 100% about bettering your community. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But running an organization and a handful of legitimate businesses got costly. And what better fundraiser is there than smuggling and selling heroin, cocaine, and marijuana? Jesus, dude. Damn. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the majority of the Latin kings on the south side of Chicago were Mexican. And some of these members were able to set up contact with the infamous Sinaloa cartel in 1971. At this time, the cartel was being run by El Huero Palma and El Chapo under the direction of Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo's Guadalajara cartel. For obvious, obvious, obvious reasons, we're not going to go too much further into the cartel, and we're never going to cover them fully. 
if you want to learn more, you should watch uh, Netflix's series called Narcos Mexico because it actually is pretty realistic or at least the closest thing I've seen so far that's not so much legends of these people as much as like what really happened. Um, But if you haven't seen it, you probably are familiar with who El Chapo is. If you're not familiar with El Huero Palma, he was known to be a little bit more extreme than El Chapo. And Miguel Felix Gallardo came to power by killing El Chapo's uncle. So it's just a hierarchy level of people you don't want to fuck with. And the reason I bring this up is because it's super amazing that anyone was able to hook up that important connection. But Baby King was a high school student when he did that. Holy shit. Yeah. That's what I want you, because that's what we talked about earlier. It's impressive that anyone was able to set up a connection with the Sinaloa cartel. This dude still had to ask for a bathroom pass to take a shit. (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me? That's insane. And he didn't even have a cell phone at the time. So it's like, where where do you get the time? (laughs) In fact, almost as if to prove my point on how ridiculous this all is, just months later in June of 1971, Baby King was arrested and sent to prison. Over the past few weeks, Baby King noticed his friend Ernesto hanging out with members of a rival gang called the Bishops. It didn't sit well with him, but he kind of tolerated it until Ernesto started wearing bishop colors and apparel. So Baby King confronted Ernesto after school and told him to stop hanging out with the bishops. Ernesto brushed him off, and so Baby King slapped him in the face. A week after that, Baby King saw Ernesto's uncle driving Ernesto and his friends home from a school dance, so he shot into the vehicle, planning on killing Ernesto. Instead, Baby King shot and killed Ernesto's uncle, and the car crashed into a telephone pole. Holy shit! If you break down this story, it's about a high schooler who got mad because his friend was hanging out with other people. And it ended in murder. And the guy who committed the murder leads half of one of Chicago's biggest gangs and made deals with three of the most famous narcos in history. And he's what, 17? 17, about to be 18 at this point. Holy shit. That's terrifying. Yeah. The top members of the Latin Kings decided it was time to bring the group together. If they were going to survive, they needed to operate as a whole. So they all visited Baby King in prison and wrote a set of rules that every Latin King would live by. These rules would become the Latin King's manifesto, the Bible for Kingism. And that's where we'll pick up next week on part two of Latin Kings. Damn. That's yes. interesting as hell, dude. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It's, uh, like I said, it's a little bit hard to get specifics. No one even knows uh, a birth date for Ramon Santos. Um, and in fact, it's kind of likely that's probably not his full name. Um, yeah, so already it's, um, it's worth mentioning that the story sounds very similar to the start of uh, the Bloods and the Crips. Yeah. In that you have a bunch of kids getting picked on, and so they unite 
with people like them and kind of instead of starting a gang and spreading it they just adopt other gangs Mm -hmm. and at first i was like damn that's crazy i wonder which one of them started doing this first like who learned it from who it turns out they're pretty much happening at the same exact time i was gonna say they're basically doing the same shit at the same time in different places the latin kings happen before the Crips by about mm-hmm. 10 or so odd years. But they wouldn't necessarily have known about each other at no. all. No. In fact, because they wouldn't have even They're become so popular. They're separated by distance. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And because the Imperials originally, they didn't want anyone to know who they were. It wasn't until they got older that uh, King Papo started being like politically active. Well, I think what's so interesting about gangs is just the ways that we see the same thing happening over and over again where segregation and economic disenfranchisement creates a need for it creates a power vacuum yeah yeah. it it creates people being like hey we got to protect ourselves yeah and then it gets a little out of hand because (laughs) yeah oh man so yeah um i had a lot of fun with making this episode uh I'm sorry if it feels like disjointed stories. I, I'm trying to kind no, of like... No, it felt really good. Okay. Yeah. That, that feels good. I'm, no, I'm just great. trying to put together a cohesive thing because normally I love going into the background of people, but a lot of this was just, well, this happened. Okay, but why? And then finding the historical significance as well as um, a couple other things. And uh, some stuff next week that we'll talk about, about why they had to start their own religion and how the segregation of Chicago actually caused them to need to make their own religion. There's a lot of really interesting oh. stuff that we'll lead into. This is, I'm so curious about I'm a gang curious. with its own religion. Yes. What? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Can't wait. So um, it's a it's a great series. We'll also cover the New York branch and the demigods that pop up because there's so much more to go down. And this episode was just so that you guys could understand where the latin kings came from i'm super excited next i love it gonna be amazing. this is so great this is probably one of my favorites but oh thank you yeah, thank I you so this. much so thank y'all for uh for listening uh as always our uh our episodes are sponsored by the latin kings um you can go to www. No, i don't like it what, what one of my favorite things is you can actually go to the latin kings official website it's and very bad not only yeah they got a big ass lion in the background <laughs> like the worst jpeg possible it's so <laughs> pixelated and then like it's all written in this really weird prose where it's just like it sounds beautiful it sounds like it it sounds majestic but it doesn't it sounds like the same person who wrote the website has live laugh love written all over their house (laughs) and then at the bottom it says you cannot email us to sign up for the latin kings Please stop emailing us to sign up for the Latin Kings. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. Really you funny. must sign up in person. Thank you. God bless. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. What is the email for then? I don't. I just guess be just be like, questions. great lion, bro. <laughs> Love you guys. Can for, you sell me some drugs? <laughs> for booking requests, go to latinkings.com. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> So our our episodes, joking aside, are sponsored by our wonderful and lovely Patreon donors. Thank you so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have a uh, we have a Patreon that is available at patreon.com slash cult podcast. And for just five dollars a month, you get access to our bonus show, the Speculation Zone. Uh, this this 
few weeks, we're kind of caught in a um, series. I shouldn't say caught because I love it. <laughs> we are in a series on... It's Revelation and the Antichrist. Although it's mostly turning into Mondo asks questions about the Bible. Because it's so interesting. <laughs> I love it so much. One of the few books you've never read. I know. <laughs> There's so many books I haven't read. I love that every time you start a podcast that you've done research for, you're, you list the number of books you had to read like it's an accomplishment and no, you want an award no it's i'm i'm letting everyone know how much pain they put me through i it's more it's less like i read four books look at me and it's like i read four fucking books for this you pieces of shit i hope you like it anyway for five dollars a month <laughs> <laughs> for five dollars a month i'll read a book a month at least guaranteed i yeah i had to read many books of the bible this week for this week's episode it's so much bookage <laughs> it's a lot of bookage uh so this week our episode is brought to you in part by ari not aster and then <laughs> and then in parentheses sorry to disappoint ari Aww. aster is the director of hereditary and midsummer oh yeah, thank you, Ari. Uh, I'm sorry you're not Ari Aster, but I'm glad that you exist. If I have that a helps. bear suit with your name on it. No, Whoa. I'm kidding. I'm totally. You're We're great. Fucking burn you alive, we would never dude. burn you alive. Uh, <laughs> but you should lean out this car window. <laughs> oh, no. Why are there so many ants? <laughs> so this podcast is also brought to you by Laura Springgay, pronounced with a hard gay. Yes. <laughs> They they put that in the thing. I'm not making fun of anyone. Um, my pitch is the uh, Lauren Spring Almighty Gaylords. So <laughs> that's, that's my pitch. Too perfect. Oh, I don't. I, when she said hard gay, I was like, aren't they mostly? Um, <laughs> that's just me and my experience with my gay friends. And primarily, they're French. So yeah. this episode is also brought to you by Cactus Kate. It's the nickname my dad gave me and the name I use for branding the basement beer I make. <laughs> That's awesome. It's awesome. I assume you live in the Midwest. Please send me a photo of your beer. <laughs> Is it the basement or the fact that the basement's being used for making alcohol? It, which part of that makes you sure that they're from the Midwest? That they're brewing beer in their basement. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Shit, dude. I think a more Midwest statement is, well, I got beer brewing in the basement, but I've got some cheese cooking in the bathtub, eh? Here's well, the thing. You cannot y'all cook che- cheese in the you bathtub. You can't cook cheese in the bathtub. Also, y'all don't even have basements here. A no. Lot of places. We don't. Why do we need them? That's how you die in an earthquake. Exactly. You that's that's how I know they're from the Midwest. You want a basement to break? Somebody, somebody on Facebook was throwing shade. They're like, you idiots. You don't have basements. I was like, you idiot. We have earthquakes. Like, yeah. Why would you want a basement? <laughs> It's going to kill you. It's a death trap. We can't we can't put our houses in the ground because the ground doesn't want us here. <laughs> yeah, the ground is actively trying to swallow <laughs> us alive. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, for just $5 a month, you get access to our bonus show and a shout out on our main feed show like you just heard. So if you want this to happen to you with a hard gay... Um, <laughs> Just go to patreon.com. If you're a soft gay, yeah. we love you also. Yeah. Please let us know about it. If you. you're that lake that Andrea was talking about Lake earlier. Michigan? Yeah. One of the five great lakes? It's well, the dick one. It's normally great, but sometimes it drinks too much. and It's <laughs> Lake Flaccid. Lake Flaccid! Oh, oh my God! God. It's too good! Too good. Make shirts. <laughs> 
Anyway, that that uh, address again is uh, patreon.com slash cultpodcast, or you can go to cultpodcastshow.com and then head over to the Patreon tab. Um, for this one, I'm going to say it, uh, if you got, if you can convince two firefighters to get into a fist fight and you tape it for me, I am willing to pay upwards of $24. (laughs) Paige will pay more because we will watch this porn together. Yes. Oh, and $2 for each article of clothing missing from the firefighters. (laughs) If you're a firefighter and you're willing to send us shirtless photos, Mm -hmm. we will gladly accept them. Yes. If you're a firefighter and you're willing to make us a calendar, (laughs) and each month another article of clothing comes (laughs) off, why haven't they done calendars like this yet? Anyway, uh, you can send that to Instagram or Twitter at Mondo Does Stuff. That's M A N D O Does Stuff. Uh, or you can hit me up on Venmo for that $24. $2 extra for each article of clothing. I cut off my Venmo is at Mondo Torres, M A N D O T O R E S. Bye. Side story uh, I went to Thunder Down Under. Thunder Down Under. I have been multiple times. What uh, is Thunder Down Under? Sounds like Wait, an Australian themed Chippendales. That really? Is, that is what it is. Yeah. Oh, I knew it. I yeah. thought it was an international <laughs> queefing competition. <laughs> the Thunder Down Under. I killed Andrea. Did you try to face queef? That's not how it works. <laughs> That's all that a cough is. Oh, my God. I killed Andrea that she had to go get water. Uh, so Thunder Down Under is a male review. Hell, yeah. Where they review males? No. Uh, review as in like a show. Oh. And it is. They get down to like thongs, basically. Wow. Which I'm not about. It's one of those things where like I'm cool with it until it gets to the thongs and then I'm like, nah, I'm out. There are no sexy underwear for men. No, there's it's I mean boxer briefs. Weird. Boxer briefs. If they got down to boxer briefs, I'd be down. Hmm. Yeah, but, that's true. I yeah. will say that is the sexiest underwear. Yes, it is. Um, because boxers are like, you're just wearing shorts. Yeah. You know? Uh, but they have a fireman Ooh. who dances with an axe and strips from like full fire gear all the way down while like thrusting on ladders. So they have like ladders across the stage. He's jumping from ladder to ladder. Very impressive. I'm just Interesting. saying if somebody wants calendar ideas. Um, 40, $48 if you can convince him <laughs> to fight anyone. <laughs> um. If you have been to Thunder Down Under and you have a hilarious story about it, feel free to th- send those to me at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. Also, if you are in the Los Angeles area on March 15th, I'll be in Flappers Yoohoo Room. And on uh, March 2nd, I'm roast battling Timothy McGorry at the Comedy Store. And on March 21st, I will be at the DNA Comedy Club with Crystal Adams. Uh, come out and see us. Hell yeah. I Quick aside question. Sure. How do you know they're Australian? Because it sounds like they don't do much talking. Um, The host is definitely Australian. Yeah. It sounds like it's mostly for bachelorette parties, too. It so is. it's like. It is. And the first time I went, I was very drunk. Probably not the drunkest I've ever been, but pretty close with two girlfriends 
and we were all just like rip shit on tiki drinks and had the best time in the that world. That sounds kind of fun. It was super fun. The next time I went, I like talked my sister into going and she was like just old enough to go, like mm-hmm. just barely. And she was scandalized the entire time, but also laughing. Um, and that was pretty fun. And then I tried to go again with one of the same friends I went with previously. And we were kind of like, meh. Yeah, seen it. I don't know. I mean, I once you've s- seen one sweaty man body, it's like we get it. But you an have Australian abs. sweaty man body. Well, I don't know. Why, thing- mate? You yeah. want this dingo to eat your pussy? By the third time I went, so like the most recent time I went, I'd been leaving <laughs> the dingo in hey, my pussy. Dingo- <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I I had been living in Los Angeles for some time, and I couldn't escape the idea that most of the dancers looked surprisingly like the go-go boys at the abbey personally i find men most attractive when they're doing like fixing a fence or Mm. like you know like it's like you have abs but what are they really doing for me all hairless which i'm like that's "Eh, weird no this doesn't fare well for me you can do lots of useful things this is my thing is i like i'm like a, a dude that i like and i'm gonna be involved with you know mostly is hairy has chest hair is a dude doing stuff yeah and so it complete i think it was like once i was in real relationships with actual men i was like "Eh, i'm not that interested yeah earlier earlier today or yesterday andrea like got into bed with me and she like cuddled up and she went like what are you doing and i was like shopping for nerf blasters (laughs) (laughs) let's have a nerf fight i want one so bad they've gotten really advanced oh yeah hey guys uh, if you're still listening, <laughs> this is Andre Gazetta here. Uh, I uh, have some art stuff coming up. Uh, if you live in the Philadelphia area and you want to check out some of my works in person, Arch Enemy Arts is having a show and it the opening is March 6th, which is a Friday. So if you're looking to get some free wine and make fun of my art, go check it out. <laughs> That's no what I've always no done at art fun of openings. Your art. Here's the thing. <laughs> Look at how beautiful it is. Fucking bitch. It's like Lisa Frank if she's really into death. Let's go to the Australian place. The dingo ate my pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. As an artist, my number one thing to do at art shows is to look around the room and then talk lots of shit because that's how we roll, yeah. baby. <laughs> I've been with Andrea and I've had to, with my hand, just be like, hey, shh. The artist is right behind you. <laughs> I have also been, yeah, I've also had that happen with some of my friends where they're talking shit and I'm trying to get them to stop because I know the person whose art that is and I like them and I don't want them to hate me. So you can talk as much shit as you want. I won't be there, but you can see my art. Uh, have a good time. It'll be great. And also, you know, check out my art at andregazetta.com or andregazetta on Instagram. And if you also want to hear me say dumb shit, uh, you can see me on twitter at sundress comic um if you are not already following andrea on instagram at andrea gazetta that's all one word a-n-d-r-e-a-g-u-z-z-e-t-t-a you definitely should because she just this week gave away an amazing piece in a giveaway i will say if you are hearing this on monday before midnight pacific time uh, you could still have a chance to win that if you yeah. follow me on Instagram. So go check that yeah, out. Yeah, there's a giveaway going on right now. Uh, she does them occasionally. This is not me saying they're going to happen all the time, but 
check out the art follow up on it look at it you could possibly win a beautiful piece of art that costs people a lot more money than i thought art sells for i also not to say your art isn't worth money just i was like oh that's right i forgot art is good sometimes word 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 <laughs> i forgot it's not bananas taped to walls all the time right 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 <laughs> Anyway, follow her on uh, Instagram because it is, one, breathtaking, and two, you could possibly come away with some dope-ass artwork. Also, bananas taped to walls sounds like a great men's nightclub, or what did you call it? <laughs> bananas taped to walls? <laughs> a male review? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's more of, like, truly a review where you're like, this banana is longer, but this one is quicker. <laughs> That's a glory hole review. <laughs> Bananas oh, taped to walls. That's, that's FUBAR on Thursday night for the manhunt. <laughs> if you like our show, you want to follow us on Instagram, uh, you can do so at Colt Podcast. Or at Colt Podcast Show on Twitter. Or you can send us an email to coltpodcastshow at gmail.com. Or if you want to send us... A stripper. Um, send us a whole stripper. <laughs> you want to send no. us a whole stripper. <laughs> or a Thunder Down Under calendar. Ooh. Or you know what I really want? What? Is I want a Pokemon themed firefighter calendar. Please make it happen. That's so That's such much a unique work, request. And it's gonna happen. I don't They're know what that gonna means. They're all going to be Big Dick B. Yeah. But I want it. <laughs> also, at this point, it's going to have to be for 2021. <laughs> yes. Unless you just it gives get... you plenty of time to find shirtless men <laughs> who also look like Pokemon. I, I, okay. I feel like and if you can a use... person, a person who resembles a Pokemon probably has some outstanding health issues and it might be somewhat startling to look at that doesn't mean they shouldn't be in a calendar because i believe in representation across the board and i think it's great that people like that are in a calendar i don't know that that's the firefighter calendar that you want I don't know. I'm pretty close to a Snorlax. Anyway. <laughs> Q-bone me anytime. Oh, okay. that's very good. <laughs> mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. um... <laughs> if, you, if you do make this, please don't use the real Pokemon names. Use the names that Paige would call them. <laughs> <laughs> Give me one of them Onion Turtles. <laughs> onion Turtles. Oh, uh, God. Yeah, and if you want more information on the show, you can go to www.coltpodcastshow.com. Did we give an address for where to send that calendar? No. We did not. You should send that weird, weird calendar to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like Like the the Shining. Shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. I will, as an aside, say that the woman who sent us scrunchies last week. Yes. I Never wore scrunchies before, but Aren't I have great? worn it like three days this week. It's yeah. amazing. Wonderful. I love it so much. Thank you for the I, scrunchie. Like, I was alive when scrunchies were originally popular, and I'm so glad they're back. That's pretty sweet. And I'm going to say don't drink that kind of tequila that has like the little worm in the bottom oh, of it. Oh, yeah. Just because it's very intense on a weeknight. And <laughs> don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye.